Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low-budget show. It's the show so low, it has no budget. But you know what? There's still some of a budget because we're not being sold off to another major network, which seems to be the common thing happening today, that everybody's just buying everything. This is the problem with mega conglomerates, everybody, where they can just buy whatever the fuck they want, including other mega conglomerates. It sucks. I only bring it up because that's a piece of news we're talking about today. Weird episode this week. I was just thinking, you know, there's a lot of animals in popular culture. A lot of definitive versions of animals. What if we talk about a specific animal in pop culture and the influence it has on pop culture? So we're going to be talking about lions today. Why is it lions in particular we're talking about? Well, because of Beast. And now that I sit here and think about Beast, which is the Idris Elba film where he's protecting his family in the wild, is he fighting a a lion in the trailers or is it a tiger or a leopard? I don't even remember anymore. All I remember was just being like, Idris Elba's fighting a big cat. I'm going to talk about a big cat on my podcast. That big cat's a lion. Let's talk about the legacy of lions in popular culture. That's where I'm at. That's what we're doing here. Interesting fun. I guess we could do a little bit of housekeeping business before we jump into it. Resident Alien Season 2 has returned, so I will be doing weekly reviews for those, as well as She-Hulk is starting up. So that's going to be fun. And I don't know, I'm tempted to start doing some more scripted content. I... I need a better microphone to do that for my camera, but that's maybe that'll be a little later. I got a few things I need to do first before we get there. But there's a couple ideas brewing, a couple ideas that I might just play around with. We'll see. But I don't know why I brought that up. That's not going to happen for a while, but whatever. We got two pieces of news to talk about, both of them in relation to Warner Brothers Discovery in some sense of the word. They're very fascinating pieces of news nonetheless, okay? First off, Are you familiar with the television program Pennyworth? Are you? I'm here to tell you it's pretty good. It's pretty well worth it. It's Pennyworth it, if you will. It's a weird show, and it's like, what if Alfred was young, hunky, and full of charisma, working with a young, hunky Thomas Wayne and a super hunky Martha Kane, and they, uh, you know, just fight? people in like a weird looking Gotham and it's just like what if, what if it's the origin a Batman's butler well apparently for its third season that's what it's gonna be called uh, nope that's not a joke everybody the third season the third season of the show about Batman's butler is officially being retitled Pennyworth the origin of Batman's butler that is how film literate we are in today's climate where we can't see the name Pennyworth and associate it with Alfred Pennyworth, the only person in the history of popular culture whose iconography is that name. We are so dense as a society that we have to do that subtitle because we're idiots. Do you really think putting the word Batman in there is going to save it when you just canceled a Batgirl movie? Very interesting to me. The origin of Batman's butler. Pennyworth season three. It's it's like Gotham, the TV show Gotham, but before Gotham. So it's like Gotham's Gotham. It is insane to me that this is where we are as a society, that these things exist and we celebrate them and live with them and that they just have a staying impact on our world. 
So the Origins of Batman's Butler is getting its third season. God help us all. Now here's something else I find very fascinating that I did want to talk about. It kind of goes into the stuff happening with WB and Discovery because it kind of it sucks. So the CW, which is a very fascinating network, there's been reports coming out recently. It's like they've never made money for their entire conception. We've just been bankrolling shit in there and making stuff. Well, I guess it is kind of owned by WB and Discovery and Paramount are like the current co-owners of the TV network. They each have like a certain stake in the company. Well, guess who just bought the share majority of the company? A TV station of Next Nexstar and I I don't know what that means. So I'm looking at an article right here. It says Nexstar Media Group, the largest local TV station owner in the United States, said on Monday it will acquire the majority stake in the CW network, home to popular shows such as Riverdale and The Flash. You mean the only two shows you still have currently going on there? That's not all the news, though. Because that is just like, yeah, that's going to happen. CW is just losing money for all of these companies. Makes sense to get rid of it. That's fine. Here is, again, the most worrying part of this news. The the head of Nexstar was just like, so we're going to be changing the format of the CW, aiming it towards the demographic that is the key people watching the CW, which is 58-year-olds what i i am of two minds of this let me rephrase this i am of two minds of this first off no all of your original series are not aimed for 58 year olds they are aimed for people 18 to 30 and that is where most of your content comes from the other part of that is like okay yeah that makes sense because you do air a lot of like older reruns of certain shows you do air more local news stuff too i can get behind that idea where you're like oh these people want to see The Price is Right, so we'll play The Price is Right. It's easier to rerun old shows that old people watch than it is to make 15 seasons of Supernatural, another couple seasons of Kong Flu and Walker, Texas Wanger, and all that stuff. And it's like, I get that completely. It is just so disheartening, especially after the news we just got from WB and Discovery. It's another just platform that's going to be losing a lot of its scripted content. And it's killing me. This is literally, these past couple of weeks have really just put a damper on my entire mood of the entertainment industry. And this is another thing where I'm like, I can I can say I'm not a fan of the CW because they, they make bad stuff sometimes. But they have a lot of good people working on those shows. A lot of people that will be losing their jobs on this stuff. And it's kind of just sad to see that generation of creators and creativity go away because there is genuinely something to be said for a network that takes as many risks as the CW did. Name another another network that put out that many characters of color, of sexual orientation that differ from the standard, of trans actors in leading roles. Like there are so few networks that have done that to that scale. It's sad that that's probably going to be going away. And they're just probably going to be like, here's some more reruns of Seinfeld. And look, I love Seinfeld. But this is going to, this worries me so much. I am just, I'm losing it with all this stuff. And the problem with all of this is if we boycott it, it's almost worse because 
then you have people like Disney, Amazon, and Apple and Paramount all on top, just sucking at the teat of its consumers, just getting all this stuff. You know what? I'm going to take Paramount off that list that I just said because, you know, I'm actually going to save this conversation for another day, but I'm just going to say this right now. I think Paramount is the most interesting studio still running on a large scale. I love everything they're doing creatively. I think they are fantastic. But the CW is changing for the worse. That sucks. It's a terrible time to be creative, honestly. They say with all these streaming services, you can get your job made better and more content for everybody, but the bubble is bursting. The bubble is bursting and it's scary, but we're going to stop right there and come back from a break. And when we do, we're going to be talking some sensuous lions. So we're talking about lions in popular culture. And the thing of lions in popular culture, I want to make apparent, is I am not just sticking to your standard, ooh, look at this, we're just doing strictly the stuff from movies and television. No, I'm talking all of pop culture, baby. The most influential lions, I was going to say tigers for some reason, the most influential lions in all of pop culture, even real life lions, because there's a couple that actually permeated popular culture and affected it in interesting ways. It's weird, isn't it? Just like in particular is one I cannot wait to talk about because I love it. But I don't really have like any actual list in order of the the lion to dive into. So I guess we'll just start with the MGM lion, <laughs> which yeah, like that's Leo. His name is Leo. Of recently, we have turned him into a CGI character, but he's still there. I would argue, and I know this is a big argument that some people will disagree with me on because people are cowards and they can't accept the truth. I would argue that Leo the Lion, the lion for MGM, is the most famous lion on screen solely because you see him at the start of more movies than you would movies about lions. And there's more, there might be more iconic lions that you could like, oh, that's obviously this one from that movie. But you see Leo more than you see any other lion on film. He's cool. He just shows up, roars, you get on with the rest of your movie, you watch whatever crap you're putting on. It's pretty iconic and pretty dope, isn't it? I would argue Leo's the most important. You know, he's just like, we are an entire studio. We are resting our laurels on the idea, on the idea of this lion. You see the lion, you're either like, oh, this is going to be great, or oh, this is going to be bad. He's the most iconic. Arguably the coolest, too, because when I was making this list, I was like, lions are some of the most badass creatures in the wild. Is there a lot of cool lions in pop culture? The sad truth is, not really. And there's one in particular that I cannot wait to talk about again, because I think it's going to be a very big point of contention for some people. It's going to be very interesting. It's the most iconic one is Leo. I will stand by that for everything else on this list. He's the most iconic. And then I would have to say, I know, again, this is going to be like, you're really playing into my favorite here where it's like, oh man, we know exactly the kind of person you are. You're saying these ones over the entire movie based on a lion. But I think the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz is way more iconic 
and a way bigger deal for pop culture than other things going forward. The thing with the Cowardly Lion is he's become a trope. You know, it's like the shy guy who gets his courage in the end. It starts with him. Just like that awkward looking dude. And yes, it's a guy in a costume. We're not actually using a real lion. But pop culture has parodied this guy more than any other lion. You see any episode of a cartoon, they do their Wizard of Oz story. They are doing their cowardly lion. Even if you're just doing like some weird Oz thing or just something in the Emerald City. There's always the stuff with the lion. It is the same with like the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Flying Monkeys. I would even go as far to say the witch. They don't get more iconic than Wizard of Oz. And I know it's like a generational thing now where some of the younger generation doesn't know the Wizard of Oz as much because it's kind of fallen out of the popular zeitgeist. But an entire generation, I would say my generation and older, and I'm in my mid-20s, that generation up until, because the movie came out in the 30s, let's be real here, everybody else has seen it, knows that iconography, it is still the most permeated pop culture lion in that aspect, the same with Leo. You know, those younger kids, they're not going to put on an MGM movie, because I think they just sold everything to Amazon, but to that generation and up, there is still the iconography for Leo and the Cowardly Lion, and we just got confirmation as the time I'm recording this, that they're that. I think it's, is it Warner Brothers or who owns the Wizard of Oz? Either way, the company that owns Wizard of Oz, they are going to be making another Wizard of Oz movie, which means the Cowardly Lion will be coming back into prominence because it is the most known lion in all of pop culture. Moving away from the coolest two lions, probably my two favorite lions on this list, we have one of my least favorite lions. Anybody who knows me in the real world you know that there's one book series and one fantasy world I have never been able to connect to. This has actually been a huge point of contention with me and one of my close friends, where every time we talk about this franchise, I just go, I don't give a shit. I, I just, there's nothing about this that feels interesting to me. It feels just too magical and whimsy. And maybe it's just because I don't like kids having to take on the role of like adults and becoming the highest form of enter, not even entertainment in the world. It's like, it's the Harry Potter problem to me where it's like all of the world's problems can be fixed by this one kid getting his shit together. I don't like that. It works sometimes like in Star Wars, but I don't, maybe I just hate fantasy movies about kids. That could be it. I'm talking about the Chronicles of Narnia or the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe World. I don't know what the first book is. I don't care. Aslan sucks. I don't think he's interesting. It's just a douchey lion who shows up to command everything and look i've never read the books fully i don't have any intention on reading all the books but there is an iconic movie that an entire generation knows where liam neeson shows up at like halfway through he's like i was saved or something maybe i was a rock and i came back to life through the power of love but i'm back am i cool who's to say i don't know if this See, the thing is, like, I know people could tell you who the Cowardly Lion is. I know people could tell you who Leo is. There's an entire demographic that has no clue who Aslan is, and they have no intention on learning who they are, and I, I, I completely support that. I think it's popular in the respect that, like, it is the most prominent fantasy lion, where it's just, like, an honest-to-God fantasy world, medieval, like, fiction, fighting, and the sorcery and stuff. He's the most iconic lion in that demographic 
if you don't count like the banister for the Lannisters where their, their symbol is a lion, which I don't because it's just a symbol. It's not like an actual thing. And no one's called the lion in Game of Thrones, or else I might put them on the list. You know, they have like the mountain and the hound, the onion knight, but they don't really have like the lion. And if they do, I'm forgetting. But Aslan is just a bitch and I don't care for them and I don't want to see any more from them. Okay. No more Narnia. We've been threat. They have been threatening us with another Narnia property for generations. If they do it, you'll never hear me talk about it because I don't want to see it. But I will talk about it if I'm still doing this in 12 years, whenever that movie decides it's going to come out. I guess I will talk about it. But Aslan, bottom of the list in terms of popular culture. And we're moving on to, I think, the point of contention that a lot of people are going to be like, um, why don't you have them at the top of your list of pop culture? Here's why. Here's why. We have a movie that defined an entire generation that made two of the highest grossing films of all time. We're talking about the Lion King movies. This is it. Like, this is the definition of making this list. When you talk about lions that permeated popular culture, it's Simba, it's Mufasa, and Scar. A little behind the scenes. Well, I was making the list for this video. I was talking to my sister, who is a big fan of Disney movies and the Disney Renaissance era, and I was asking her, like, who would you consider to be, like, iconic lions in film, in pop culture she gave me a couple i'm not putting the fucker from zootopia on here he doesn't count he's just jk simmons so she gave me the lion king ones i'm like yeah of course simba the most iconic one nala another one that's iconic because beyonce played her if you get beyonce to play you you bump up to iconic same with getting childish gambino to play you like as soon as those two people play you you are the top of the list and then we got more into it, and I was like, okay, Scar, obviously, the sassiest gay character we have seen in a Disney film. I love, by the way, that that entire Disney Renaissance era is just fueled by, like, these gay characters. And I know that was just, like, the energy being presented by like, the top creators, but you just got people like Scar and Hades and Meg and Ursula, like, these important characters that are just so clearly inspired by this other side of the world that Disney wasn't known for exploring. I love that so much. So Scar is iconic. I'll give you that. And I, I will also give you Mufasa because it's James Earl Jones. People are quoting that guy to this day. He is the top daddy. He is the daddy of the lions in pop culture. Like when you think of like the most authoritative, cool, badass dude, it's Mufasa. Here's where I was like, no. My sister thrown me Sarabe, who is the mother to Simba. Not iconic. She is not an iconic lion in pop culture solely because I don't think I knew who that was until the name was described to me. So I don't think she's iconic. The other one was Scar's son in the Lion Guard. What the hell is that guy's name? I might try to look it up as we're talking, but I'm just like, I don't know if you can say like the son of the guy is the number one, you know, cool dude. I don't know. What's his name? Kovu. No, Kovu's not iconic. Kovu exists in pop culture. He's not an iconic lion of pop culture. I'll give you The Lion King. Not a movie I particularly love, but I will say about The Lion King, I'll give you Simba, I'll give you Nala, I'll give you Mufasa, and I will give you Scar. But if we're talking about The Lion King, you have to talk about Kimba. And Kimba, again, this is a story that we could go in depth on but if you are a fan of The Lion King and you haven't seen the story of Kimba, there is a lot of similarities there. 
almost as if it was ripe for parody, if you would get Tobias Fumke to describe it to you. Yeah. But they're both iconic. The Lion King, probably the most iconic. I, I, If I had to put one character from The Lion King at the top, it is Simba. I think more the cub Simba because nobody really thinks about adult Simba as like a cool character. It's like the cub's cool. Then he becomes Ferris Bueller and we stop caring enough. It's just, we get it. It's Hamlet. We move on. I can't put it at the top of my list, but it is way more iconic than anything happening in Narnia. I'll say that. It's probably more iconic than the next couple I'm going to talk about, too. And of course, we have to talk about one of the most iconic anthropomorphic lions in the history of cartoondom, Lion-O. Like, there's an entire subcategory we could go into about taking an animal, making it humanoid in a sense where it is a sexually charged being. And that was a weird way to describe it, but Lion-O is sexy as fuck is what I'm saying. There's a whole, like, subcategory of cartoons and, like, collectibles and toy lines, especially aimed for, like, males and boys of whatever age, where it's like, what if we took an animal made a kind of human where it's got muscles and a sword? I think lion is one of the definitive versions of doing that to a cat because it's, like, cool. And there's a reason lion is in charge. It's because lions should be in charge. When you are taking the concept of, like, big animals... Big jungle cats even, like a panther, a tiger, a leopard, a jaguar, whatever else exists, wily cat and wily kit, and you put them together, it's like, yes, a lion should be in charge. It's got the biggest hair. That's why it should be in charge. And lion is just a really cool, creepy character, but I can't put him at the top of the list in terms of popular culture because... He is the least popular of his genre. You know, Ninja Turtles, Transformers, G.I. Joe, and He-Man are all things that are more popular than Thundercats. You, I mean, being in this sphere of popular culture that I'm a part of, reading comic books every day, being invested in that lineage in that world, I know who Lion-O is. But, you know, mom and pop moviegoer don't. You know, you can't... I mean, maybe there's... Because, you know... The 80s kids are growing up to have kids. Now, I guess you could show some parents a picture of Lionel. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a Thundercat. But there's like a lot of people who wouldn't know. It's kind of my thing with Aslan, where it's like the the select people do know who Lionel is. And he is iconic. He is distinguishable of all the anapromorphic humanoid animals of cats. He is the most iconic in that sphere of the lion and jungle cat identity. But he's not well-known enough where you could say he's the iconic. He's the one of pop culture, everybody. When you think of a lion of pop culture, you go there. You don't. You go to Simba and you go to the Cowardly Lion and to Leo. Those are the ones you go to. That's just where you are. I just have to bring up lion because he is an important part of that. I need to bring it up. Okay. Okay. Can we rest easy now? lion is there. He's cool. And look, I don't want to get too carried away with this subcategory of the topic. But we could do an entire video talking about, like, the sexiest cartoon animals in, like, turn to, like, humanoid form. It shouldn't happen. Like, we couldn't... We, I mean, I, I'm going to do the video. Like, I decided I want to do that video. But Lino is a little too sexy, if you catch my drift. Like, the fact that, like, every character except for the G.I. Joes and, like, that generation, is, like, ripped to, like, the point of insanity. And they're, like, 
the perfectly muscular, perfectly built human creature thing. And they got long flowing hair and they have deep, sexy voices. It's a lot to deal with, (laughs) you know? And, you know, I don't know if I would say like, actually, yeah, I'd say Lion-O is the sexiest Thundercat. Let's actually, let's look up the Thundercats right now and see which one is the sexiest because like Chitaro is obviously like, come on, like that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other subcategory of annoying that we could get into. I guess like, yeah, let's go into the Thundercats sexuality and how sexy they all are. Let's look at them. Lion-O, Chitaro, oof, yummy, yummy. The, those two are kids. That one is their dog, which means if we're, the thing is, okay, <laughs> and this is a really bad, it is like category to go into, but I'm going to do it anyways. Chitara, I'm sorry, it's Chitara. The characters in He-Man, they're all gay icons, essentially. I think every character in He-Man is just skewing a little bit bisexual and that's fine. That's cool. I'm on board for that. Let's do it. The characters in G.I. Joe, half of them are sexy. The other half are, you know, like military right-winged lunatics on both sides, on the Joes and the Cobras. Like, that's its own thing. Robots can be sexy. RC shouldn't be built like an actual woman, so it's weird to me that the Transformers are doing that. And April O'Neil is her own thing. The Turtles are teenagers. They're not sexy. Casey Jones is a himbo. We should all gravitate towards him. If you want to take, like, that generation of cartoons and talk about which group is the sexiest, it's the Thundercats. And here's why, okay? They're all wearing shorts. They're all, like, showing legs and showing feet. Some of them are showing feet. Just Tiger, 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 actually. He's just showing feet. But they're muscular, built. They all got cool hair, except for Panthro, who's bald. They're just, like, super sexy and super cute at the same time, if if you know what I mean. They're people you'd want to, like, kiss. All of them. All of them you want to kiss. Lino is just, like, a strong, confident man. You'd want to kiss him. Chitara is obviously a beautiful cheetah woman. You'd want to kiss her. Panthro is just a big, bulky, bald man. You just want to have him coddle you and just wrap you up in a blanket and nurse you to health, you know? And then Tigra is just... Yeah, he's kind of like a jovial little guy, but he's still fun. They're all very cute. So... Out of all the cartoons of the 80s, I will stand by this, and this could be a topic for another day, but I just want to bring it up. They are sexier. The Thundercats are way sexier than any other cartoon of that time period, and I guess for that reason, I do want to put Lion-O still on the list above Aslan, okay? I'm going to stand by that. I'm going to stand by putting these ones on the list, too, even though I just said we're not going by logos, the Lannisters don't count. I am putting the Detroit Lions and the BC Lions on here. Is there a reason for it? Yeah, sports are way more well-received in a general audience than this type of pop culture that I'm, I normally talk about. And the thing is, I don't talk about sports a lot on this channel. I know more about sports than I, I think other people in my sphere, but less than like the average you know person that watches sports. But I just, I think... If you're talking about iconic lions, the Detroit Lions are iconic. Like that is a, a well-known sports team in America. You have to bring it up because there are things in there that people know the entire lineage and history of. They're not at the top of my list, of course, but they're important to popular culture because sports does count as popular culture. It does. Sports 
and art and music are all parts of popular culture. They permeate in that. You could put Snoop Lion on this list, but I think he still goes by Snoop Doggy Dog. It doesn't matter. Like those things are still popular and they're still relevant to all of this. So you have to put it on the list. NFL's a big deal. The Detroit Lions, they're there. I'm also putting the BC Lions on here because I am a Canadian guy. And in my world, there are people that know them. They're not the most prominent team in the CFL, but they are known enough where I just wanted to put them on the list. They're at the bottom of the list so far in terms of like popular culture Lions because they're not really Lions, but I just wanted to bring them up. And then that leads us to one of my favorite things in the world. And this, again, is something that is so specific to a period in time that I have to bring it up. So this we're entering this new subcategory, kind of like the sports teams, where we're like, these are real lions that existed, and we're going to talk about them. First, we're going to start with Frazier the Sensuous Lion. And I know what you're thinking. What the fuck do any of those words mean? Here's what all of this is. I know this is such a specific topic, and it's like, this cannot be iconic. It is iconic. I'll tell you why it's iconic. I'll tell you why I'm putting this on this list, because this entire experience, the entire concept of this character and this icon of pop culture was referenced in a recent show, The Leftovers. And yes, The Leftovers is not really recent anymore because it ended a few years ago, but they brought up this concept, put it back into culture. There are still people that know who Frasier the Sensuous Lion is. I have to bring it up. So what is Frasier? Who is Frasier? Well, here is a really fun thing. Frazier was this lion who would kind of just, you know, do his thing. He was an older lion. He was, I think, at like 19 years old, which is old for a lion. And he kind of became known as the most fertile lion in the world. And what, what happened was, <laughs> it's insane. So I, I'm reading an article about it here. So he was 19 years old. And that is essentially, in terms of human years, somebody who is 75 so throughout the early 70s, in a very short like span of time, he fathered like 35 cubs at the age of 19. It's essentially like if a 75-year-old man had 35 kids very close together in time with a bunch of different people. That is insane. And it's just like this guy was just like a fertile lion who would impregnate these other lions and bring the bring it up, bring up the the pride you know it's so insane there was documentaries about him there was a show about him there was an, an actual animal movie called Frasier the Sensuous Lion which starred actual actors and a talking lion and it's just like it is a part of pop culture because like there's not no other like part of this in history is this weird you know it's so insane. There was like a song about Frazier. He had a movie. He had a documentary. He was he appeared as a concept in other television decades later. You cannot sit here and tell me that this is not an iconic character in pop culture because it is. Like if you get a song, a movie, and a reference in a TV show, and you're a 75-year-old lion, you're iconic. You have made stink. You've you've standed the test of time. That is insane. Like, I love the idea of that. It's like a, a lion who is old is just fathering 35 cubs. There are cartoon depictions of him. There is merchandise for him. He is an iconic character. And I'm just like blown away by how cool that is. 
Like, what? <laughs> I love it. I, I honestly love it. It's just so weird. You know? Fraser the Sensuous Lion. Literally, one of the reasons I decided to do this video was because of Fraser. You know, I, I just think it's fascinating. Like, what a weird concept that humanity, of course, was drawn to, you know? Look at how horny this lion is, making 35 cubs. How do we exploit that for our own identity as people? It's so weird. It's so weird to me. And if we're sticking to iconic animals in pop culture, we have to talk about, we have to talk about one of the greatest tragedies of our time. And when we do gorillas, we'll talk about Harambe because that's important too. Cecil the lion, and that is a lion we are, are known about its murder. And like, isn't that sad? Like, isn't that sad where it's like, this lion, we, we've studied, we've known them for a while. They are killed by some random dude. And it becomes an, a part of history that's like, why the hell would you do that? You know, like this, this man just killed a symbol of freedom you know that's essentially what it is i know it's like weird to say i like the story of fraser a little bit more because this one's just tragic like some piece of shit white guy just killed a lion that we all knew about and he was like a cool lion and he just he's dead he gets shot and he dies and like that sucks that sucks i hate that so much you know why are we doing that but he is a popular enough character he has a beanie baby made after him which again is not a thing that is very common, but you can ask anybody about Cecil the Lion. They'll say like this is a famous lion that we all know. He was killed by some dentist. It's a tragic story. He was 13 years old, and it's just very sad to hear. I, you have to bring it up. I'm sorry to bring down the mood. You have to bring up the real life lions that have the impact in popular culture. I put I honestly put both of these lions, Fraser and Cecil above Lion-O, above Aslan, because at least those are fun enough topics to discuss. Nobody wants to talk about Narnia, and nobody wants to talk about how sexy the Thundercats are, except for me. There's nothing else to that. We're moving on, getting on of our day. Headed back to a couple of late entries I had to put in here because, yes, they're in here. Don't worry. Shut up. I brought them up. It's okay, everybody. Alex the Lion from Madagascar. I'm talking about it. Don't worry. It's all good. It's just Ben Stiller doing a Ben Stiller thing. It's okay. I'm okay with it. There's not much to them, so I don't really care that much about it, Alex. He's I guess he's iconic because, he, you know, he's not really like the memed character from Madagascar. It's, of course, you know, King Julian and Mort and, to some extent, Melvin and Motomoto and, I guess, the Penguins, but it's not really Alex, so I, I don't think, like, he's not... He is iconic. Like, there is something. He's the DreamWorks lion. You do know who he is. But I don't think he's the most iconic character in that movie. And I don't think he holds up as well as anybody in The Lion King. I just think he exists. I would even put Kimba above Alex because there's a story attachment to Kimba. That's whatever. Again, I just had to bring it up so we can move past it and get on with our lives. There you go. Bringing up Alex the lion. It's just Ben Stiller doing his thing as a lion. I don't think... I guess there's the Jake Gyllenhaal meme where people compare him to Jake Gyllenhaal. But that that doesn't permeate. You know, there's no, like, staying tension there. We all just kind of move past that. So there's nothing else to that. This one, I had to throw in just kind of because I'm, I'm a fan of this era of 
I guess, storytelling. I don't even want to say storytelling. Just like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a really cool movie. It's really bizarre. It's really dumb. It's really silly. But I really like it. And there is a line in that called King Moon Racer, which is such a cool name. And it's just a lion. It's just a stupid lion puppet with wings, and he's got a crown. And there's no there's no iconography to him. I might be the only person who knows who I'm talking about. But it's just really cool. And if we're doing this list of pop culture lions, I learned two things. One, you don't beat the Lion King in terms of like young people knowing what a lion is. And two, there isn't a lot. You'd think there would be more. But again, I'm not putting the lion from Zootopia on this list because... He's not a character. He's not like a real character. He's just J.K. Simmons. I'm not putting Lionheart from the Care Bears either because he's technically a Care Bear. And I don't think that counts. And there's not really like any else. And I was trying to think of like, is there any iconic ones in comic books? I guess Red Lion is a character. I wouldn't put it up there. Craven, I guess, is kind of Lion adjacent. But I don't want to put it on the list. Out of all of those, I am putting King Moon Racer above them because he's cool. He's just a scar-colored lion with a crown and wings. There's something badass about that. Even if you don't like it, it's really sick. It's really fun. I enjoy that. And I have one more to put on my list. Again, this one, you could agree with me or not, but as I was doing research, it did come up that this species could technically represent the lion in the respective universe it's a part of. I'm doing anapromorphics with things like the Cowardly Lion and Lino. So if we're talking iconic characters in a franchise, there's a lot of lion-based characters in this franchise, I guess, technically. But Entei from Pokemon is the most well-known of the Pokemon that it could be based on a lion. And I know that, like, I'm not the biggest Pokemon guy. Like, that's obvious, you know. But I think if you were to ask anybody who Entei was, like, a lot of people would know Entei and Raikou and Suicune. And I, I, I only put Entei on here because I think the other ones are more just like, you know, leopard or cheetah or tiger-ish, like a saber-toothed tiger, clearly. And I guess another type of animal, but Entei does have the hair and the facial structure of a lion. They're just a strong, powerful Pokemon character. And I had to put them on here because Pokemon is one of the most iconic franchises in the world. A lot of people know these characters and it's a big, cool cat that can talk. I support that completely. Look how badass they look with their big spikes and their big bracelets. I love it. Entei is cool. Yes, he's on the list. Sorry if you disagree that he's a lion, but honestly, he is way more iconic than Lionheart of the Care Bears, okay? So shut up about it. I'm sticking with this list. So going back through the notes, I'm going to give you the definitive ranking of famous lions in pop culture based on what I just made. We'll go from the least famous to the most important. At the bottom, it goes BC Lions, the Detroit Lions, King Moon Racer, Alex the Lion, Entei, Lion-O, and then it will go Aslan, and then it goes Cecil, and then Fraser the Sensuous Lion, then it goes the Cast of the Lion King, the Cowardly Lion, and the MGM Lion, Leo. I will stand by that ranking until we get all of the top characters. When we do like the tigers and the bears and the wolves and the rabbits, we'll take all of the top ones put him in a pit and see who comes out victorious. So Leo the Lion is currently our most iconic lion in pop culture. If you disagree with me, get fucked because it's the actual honest rating.
Get used to it. Don't fight me on the Simba Kimba Mufasa bullshit, okay? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You could put anybody else in those roles and the movie still works the same, okay? They could be lions. They could be bears. They could be chipmunks. But you can't replace Leo. He's an icon. We made him digitally again, okay? And it actually made sense compared to the reboot of The Lion King. Stand by it. Number one is him. Number two is the Cowardly Lion. And then I will give you Simba, okay? There's your order. Shut up about it. So before we leave, let's talk about a couple of recommendations to get into. Of course, I'm going to recommend everything related to Frasier the Sensuous Lion, Please just enjoy that concept as much as you can. Use that to like spark your pregnancy, to spark your romance again. Very cool. There is a Pokemon movie with Entei in it. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, so check that out. That could be exciting. Pennyworth is worth checking out. Anything on the CW right now is worth checking out because we like we might actually lose that media forever. The Wizard of Oz is a great film. Please watch it. Please support that. And Kimba. Read up the story of Kimba. That's a fascinating one that is worth checking out because that is going to do it for this episode of the Geek Wave. Now, thank you guys for watching this video. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And as always, I will catch you in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Roar like a lion, baby, because we're all Lannisters. Hear me roar. Ah, Frazier, you cool dog.